Good morning, everyone. My heart's heavy this morning for a bunch of reasons. My heart's actually also full of joy because my daughter turned 18 on Friday and she fills my life with joy. And after, you can clap. You can, she deserves a better clap than that. That's all right. I had, um, I had a friend of mine who's got daughters in Geelong send me a little post and, uh, or send me a question and said, he made a lovely comment about Daisy and said, oh, he's got daughters. He's got any advice? I said, oh, any wisdom? You know, because she's such a lovely owner. I said, I'm not sure if I have any wisdom, but I did say to him, I think it's really, uh, it's really important that, that your daughter knows that no one loves her more than you do and you'll fight anyone who says differently. And uh, I, I'm only half joking about that. Um, but it is. Uh, we're actually heading up the coast. It's a. We're going to go up and do one of Daisy's favourite things. Where is Daisy? She's not even here. You tell her I said these nice things. No, I, I say nice things. In, yeah, that's right. It's in the recording. One second. Uh, so we are. I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to going up. In it's one of Daisy's favourite things to go to the beach and uh, have a cake up there, and it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. My heart's heavy this morning. Um, and um, uh, I want, as you can see, I wanna, the most important thing that I feel, the best thing we can do this morning um, to address what I think are heavy hearts for a whole lot of reasons in the room is to pray. Um, I really love Barry. Thanks for reminding us of that scripture that we're seated with, seated together with God in heavenly places. And uh, that's my goal because I, I do feel, to be honest, you know, this, I've been doing this thing for a while now, getting up on Sunday mornings to, um, not every week, but regularly to speak to my church, my people, in a role that has some kind of authority and responsibility for, to God for um, pointing us towards things that are mature and healthy and right as the people of God. Um, I don't remember, and there's been some really tough mornings to do that. Post an election's always a bit tough um, or challenging. There's a challenge there. Um, at times of world conflict, whenever there is a sense in which people are carrying and holding and aware of things that they feel deeply, but will have a difference of opinion. To be honest, being a pastor is like that most Sundays, whatever you preach on. So it's, it's kind of a general white noise you're aware of that. If you're not kind of able to do that well, then it's probably not a gig for you. But I don't recall, I don't recall a Sunday where I have felt that there's as historic things going on in the world and in our nation. Um, and, uh, and so, make no mistake, the... Desire that we actually was due to start another series, which we'll do next week. Make no mistake, the I'm very human <laughs> to feel like, well, we just plan to do this and we should do that. But as I said to a couple of people, to not pray together this morning would be the same as not being the church, given what's going on in the world and in our nation. To, to not pray would to not be the church. And so we have to do that and we should. Um, my, my hope and intent is that we can arrive. As we do that, obviously, praying for peace. And when you see that word peace, I hope that you default and see the Hebrew word shalom. 
Because peace is not just the absence of conflict, although we would pray for that. We're praying and instructed to pray for things to be as they should be in God's eyes. Things as they should be. It's such a big word. So I trust you see that um, for our nation and for our world. And for unity in the church, because these two big things, historic things this week, historic, like I said, like I feel it's not an overstatement. I can't remember a Sunday morning where I've landed with such a sense of what is going on is historic, is, is actually acknowledged even though in terms of the referendum that, we've, uh, that we had yesterday and in terms of what's happening um, in the Middle East, um, though there would be, even in this room, I acknowledge, and respectful of um, diversity, I think we're all agreed it's historic. It's interesting, or interesting, it's, it's telling that what is not being disagreed in the reports is that f the, the level of um, conflict, the level of, um, I mean, just the, 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 the horror, the horror and the loss of life. We don't even need to go into sides yet or views of history before we just say that is historic and there's an agreement that's not been seen since World War II. Like where people are saying that who know much more than me, know much more than me, are saying, yeah, that's, that's a historic fact. That's not just overreach. That's big. Um, and yesterday, we, a question was put to our nation and uh, it was a clear response and I think anyone who followed it, and I, you, you're probably well aware by now, I followed it very closely and actually for a lot longer than the ref lead up to the referendum. Um, it was a clear response and again, whatever we might, we put aside where, um, you, what position you came and how you, that, that is literally fish and chip paper now. But this morning, there is a group of people who rose who felt that, yes, there was an opportunity towards uh, healing, wholeness, and particularly First Nations people, which by any measure or way you want to do it, the majority of First Nations people felt like this was a pathway. Now, whatever you... Lots of good... I've been really clear what good reasons to vote. Maybe good reasons to vote no. Maybe good reasons to vote yes. That's just a fact that there's a group of people who this morning feel like that was an opportunity and not there. So praying this morning, I'm very aware of saying we're going to spend some time in prayer, but I'm very aware of what I'm asking us to do because we're all human and we all carry that. And, and I'm not asking you to leave what happened yesterday or where some of the things we'll sort of briefly discuss. I'm not asking you to leave that at the door. We're not, we're not that kind of church. That you just, we come into a holy huddle and you leave what's going on in your world and the world at the door. No, no, bring it right in. Bring it right in. And so therefore, when I say we're going to pray, I'm, I'm aware. I'm mindful. Um, but we need to pray. And we are. And I'm going to spend a few moments because we're going to spend some time in prayer. I've asked a couple of people to lead us as well in worship. But I do... It is also an opportunity for us to, to just, there is a, a humbly, respectfully, as you're seeing your pastor, to whatever level of influence or authority you give me in life, that might mean not much at all to people, and that's totally fine, I'm cool with that. Again, not my first radio. 
or not, I, I feel a sense in which we just talk about what it is we're doing when we pray and how we pray um, so that we can arrive in this moment because I believe it's going to be a, a, a powerful, special, important moment when we do that. Prayer, why do we pray? Well, because it just changes. Scripture says if you've got any heedance whatsoever to Scripture as an authority in your life, we're commanded to pray because we actually are, it's mysterious to me, I don't fully understand it. You're going to hear me say that quite a bit this morning. We partner with God in, in his will in the world when we pray. <laughs> uh, wow. So, of course, we, we should. James says, in James it says, the prayer of a righteous person, someone who's right in the eyes of God, um, is powerful and effective. Full stop. Wow. Chronicles, you might be familiar with, with this. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land. That sounds like an entirely good thing to do this morning, to pray. So we believe that when, when we pray, firstly, it's because things happen. Um, we're partnering with God. It's mysterious to me. But not only that, prayer turns our hearts towards the source of all that we need. That's why it's great to launch out singing, you reign above it all. Peace, grace, justice, forgiveness, healing, hope, healing, love, all of these things, we, these are the things that we're wanting to see infused, uh, have impact in the, in the Middle East, in our nation. I'm at the end of my capacity to use that to change that. The, so, is, so are you. We're limited in what we can do, but we acknowledge the source. So it turns us to the source of these things. It's powerful because it gives access to the Father. It gives access to our hearts for the Father to align us to his will. You know how hard it is to stay angry at someone when you pray for them? That's why Jesus says we should pray for our enemies. It, it, when you pray, when genuinely pray, not the righteous prayers which Jesus goes really hard on, Pharisees, for their religious prayers. He reserves some of his harshest criticisms for praying in an unspiritual way. But when our hearts are really rendered, something happens there. They become soft and we align to his will. So it shapes us. This little... I was reflecting on this. You won't find this in Scripture. You might find it in my next book, which is the similar to my first book and which is probably similar to the book I never wrote. Uh, it's probably all the same thing. But we live as we pray. When Jesus said, um, he gave us one prayer. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Glory be your name. Your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses. He gives us a, a prayer. Now the understanding there is he's saying, don't just pray this prayer. Live this prayer. That, it's, it's so majestic and wonderful in the way Jesus could. He, he's actually saying, see the way I live this out? The, the invitation the challenge is that we live out, and we do, we live out of our prayers. 
what you continue, I guarantee whatever the prayers are that you pray repeatedly for whoever that is and whatever's important, you are absolutely making all sorts of decisions in your week and in your life to align to that prayer. It's the spiritual, like the self-help kind of gurus and counsellors kind of found this truth of what it's like to be human. They called it self-talk, right? That's just our bit of noticing, oh, this is the way humans tend to be. What we repeat in our mind and our hearts shapes our life. They're just cottoning on to what Jesus was saying. We, the, the invitation is to live what we pray. So we live what we pray. But here's the thing. Usually, most often, we pray what we believe, what we think, right? What's right? So you come to prayer about any issue and you're praying for something. There was a, a, been a number of times where, as I've reflected through a scenario, a challenge in my life, my personal world, in church life, whatever, and I've thought my way through and to, to go, oh, this is what's going on. I should pray for this. Again, I reckon everyone's done that. You might not have noted you're doing that, but that's what we do. We pray what we believe. That's really important to name this morning. We're praying what we believe. That's our theology. We pray our theology, don't we? You know, you don't pray against the God. You don't pray to and about and for the God you don't believe in, or the world as He makes it as you that you don't experience. Now that's important because we actually believe as we love. You've heard Josh and I talk about this a lot. Um, there was a, a book, Desiring the Kingdom, that um, J.K. Smith, who, who put forward this idea, not unique to him, to say human beings aren't thinking, despite what the Descartes and the Enlightenment said, that humans, I think, therefore I am. Humans are just big thinking machines. No, no. Scripture says, no, no. You, your life is as you love, as you desire. That shapes you. And then we justify it. <laughs> then we think through it. Now, sometimes we think our way into better desires. But to be human is to shape your life by your desire. So we live as we pray. We pray as we believe. We believe as we love. And so to align our prayers, firstly, I had the point of what is it that we love? What is it that I love that, that is worthy of prayer here? And then here's the challenge for us this morning. Here's the challenge constantly. What is it that God loves? Because if all of that's true, and I'm putting it to you this morning, then the real question is, what is it that God loves? And as we pray, and particularly, particularly in these times when it is so, um, you know, I, I think of, reflect. It was this time last week, right, we woke to realise the world had changed, one of those moments. And then it kind of, I had a sense that as the week went on, and particularly the horror um, I, I rarely use this word to describe these things, but because I think it should be reserved for some things, but the evil that was perpetrated. I don't, people, people aren't evil, but when we give ourselves over to agendas, we can do evil things. And evil is a, a word that means something in Scripture we could, should reserve for things. But I... That's, you know, the, the horror, the evil, and then the sense of which as we see pictures and we hear stories, our hearts align and we put ourselves in that situation and we're over, I was overwhelmed 
overwhelmed. And as that rolls out, I realise, wow, this is... And then, then we're in the space into whatever degree you kind of track with this, you care or don't care about this, but just understanding where the world is at, some of the geopolitical stuff, oh, Iran, Russia, uh, the state, this could all, you know, you, you don't need to write, draw too many crooked lines. And again, the commentary of creating all these pathways to, um, to our worst outcomes as a human race. That's all right here in our doorstep, it would seem. And so there's reasons there to pray into that. But as we do that, what is it that I love? And continue to be challenged about in, in, the, in that perspective, in terms of what's happening with, with Israel around that. We'll talk just a little bit more in a moment. Is there room in my prayer? As I became overwhelmed and the sense of a mixture of righteous and self-righteous anger, and to be human is to have both, and to probably default to even our most righteous moment, there'll be some self-righteous stuff in there, to be honest about that. But as that anger takes over, and, and the grief and the sorrow and the what is happening, to be challenged, as I was a number of times, is there room in my prayer for everything that God loves and everyone that God loves? And that's a challenge in times like this. I'm so mindful this morning of um, many, I, I have many... Uh, good friends who have been and, and, and people in my world who are First Nations, uh, Indigenous people who have been so the source of God's blessing to me. I am, I can, I can point to so many important things in my life are there because of particularly the way in which God has worked through First Nations people to help me understand and live out of that, not just in issues of reconciliation but just in my faith. And I think of them this morning and I'm, it's, over, it's a little overwhelming for me for how they might receive that. Now, I accept there will be many people in this room who with clear conscience before God and with reasons voted no because it wasn't a path. That, that, may, or, that may be true even. I'll give you all of that. But boy... There was one or two comments last night on social media from Christians. Where is the room? For the same reason that this morning, it is right, and throughout the week it is right because of where we sit and what is happening and the evil that's been perpetrated through Hamas. I've held back, holding back in this moment right now on my judgment and assumption on the actions of Israel. It's right to hold back because there's just a level of evil. There's something that is a human experience for a group of people that uh, is not mine to be adamant about. And so this morning I encourage us in that space to find room for what God loves and have our prayers reflect that. That's why many times this week and perhaps this morning when we pray, you might repeat the prayer that I've just prayed in the spirit, in worship. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Because I don't have much better than that. And I'm, and I'm careful about whatever I think I know or experience in this moment to make sure I'm aligning my heart 
with all that God loves in those moments. I think... Um, I think I've just stopped clicking over there. Hang on, let me just try it again. Yeah, I think this is some animation that might have... Might have anyway, that's all right. I, I want to spend just... Again, we're going to spend time in prayer. I, I also am aware in the room, and this is probably in that space of the senior pastor, whatever responsibility you think is mine to have and whether I overstep that or... Um, um, I, I, that matters to me. Um, but there is something where I just, I've, got a, I've just got a role that I, as much as I really genuinely don't, it's not my role to offend anyone and it's not, I don't think it helps, it's not Christ-like, it's not, I'll risk that for not stepping up to the role that I know that I have as the senior pastor to lead us towards something. And I'm, I, so I'm aware this morning there may be people in the room who are new to church um, or young in the faith who, particularly with the issues around the nation of Israel, are going, what's the big deal? What, why is it that Christians seem to be losing their mind? Or, or what, what, Like it's got a gravity. I mean, you can probably understand that on a world stage, like I said. But noting, what's the spiritual thing here? And here's what I want to do. It's very similar to, I hope, I, I hope you trust and see and respect what I'm trying to do here this morning. I'm back on the highway. I'm on the highway and I'm trying to say, I know the way in which you carry your belief and theology about the nation of Israel in scripture is between you and God but I do want to gently humbly but clearly provide you a framework for where wherever way you fall I find I, I recognize patterns of believers the way they carry it and particularly at times when we pray together this is about the unity thing um, I want to suggest to you maybe there's there's a way in which there's like a little quick um, simple framework to make sure that we're making room for all that God loves. Um, and this is actually, I think, helpful for anything that seems complex. And you'll actually recognise, I, I kind of preach to this all the time with any issue, you'll recognise there's the scope of what God's doing in history. And we have in Scripture the beginning and the end. And this moment that literally split time in two, which was the life, death, teaching, resurrection of Jesus. And so I want to suggest, and I'll use um, uh, the particular issue of the place of the nation of, of um, the nation of Israel to say it's really important we begin in Genesis. And you've heard me, if you've been in this church, regularly say it's, going back to Genesis is important because those first few chapters is where we see God in his sovereignty have his way uninfluenced by human by humanity. It only takes a couple of chapters and then it's a bit of a, it goes pear-shaped pretty quickly. But that's why Genesis in particular, first few chapters, is where we, we define shalom. Because it's, it is as God would have it. And that's challenging because of the way in which Genesis is written and I'm not going to go into detail about this. But I'm saying your position, and this was my learning actually coming into this church and so grateful for Pastor Charles. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a stream of the church that was great about a lot of things that I wish other streams were great about. But one thing it wasn't great at and was kind of tended to avoid this. So I was, I was way older than I should have been before I started at Genesis with understanding 
Why is it this small country <laughs> seems to have such significance throughout human history? Um, and, and as well as explaining that, starting in Genesis, this is uh, Genesis 12 is what referred to the Abrahamic covenant, where God makes some promises to Abraham. And land is part of it. In fact, land's central, part of it undermines that. It's, it's the great story, the great truth that God's always liberating us and taking us to a promised land. That just, it's, the power of that is that it happened and that it happens. He takes us from slavery to promised land. Now, and then a little bit further on in, um, in Exodus, God sort of um, fleshes out this arrangement with, um, with Moses as well and we call this covenant now here's why this is important for you to start at genesis and and your 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 beliefs that will shape how you pray which will shape how you live must start at genesis because it's really clear god loves the people of israel in a very specific very special and historic way and he calls that a covenant now here's where it's really important how you land on this because how, what we believe about covenants shapes your relationship with Jesus now. So understanding covenant and the depth of God's promises and who he is. The thing in, um, you know how when you observe people um, with, you know, their, their family, might be with their spouse, might be with their kids, might be with their parents. It tells you so much about them. This is important because this tells us so much about who God is and his faithfulness and uh, his commitment, his unconditional love. And so it's really important we don't start from 1948 or before that or from 1960 with our understanding of the, because you'll miss things. So it's really important that we start here. Can I just put a quick ad in? Um, I sort of talked about Charles before. Um, I really encourage you, and we're maybe looking at a way to shape this, your teaching pastor, Josh Newing, I, I don't know of anyone better to have conversations with about this. I do it regularly. Um, and he gives me, when I say, yeah, do, I'm thinking, does this work? And he just gives me that little Newington silence where I know the answer. No, it doesn't really. But he's a man, as he stood last, he, last week, um, not only is he passionate and connected in his heart, he's got people and family that he loves He's visited there. The place of Israel is really important for his spiritual, who he is as a follower of Jesus. He's also the guy that our denomination says is the guy to shape our ministry and teach and fra help frame theologically and ministry-wise pastors in our movement. That's not a small job. He underplays it all the time. Before that, he did a, he did a his first um, degree was in political science. I don't know anyone. I literally, and I got, I'm surrounded by very smart people. It's not hard, I'm a low bar. But surrounded by, I don't know anyone who is as in touch with both what's going on politically and theologically as that guy. And he's your teaching pastor and he'd love a conversation with you if you want to. Because that's, it's in those conversations where we're shaped. So that's a resource for you. If you're struggling, if you're like, tell me about this or I'm thinking this, find a time, have a coffee. There is literally no one who's kind of, that I know of. And, and you know, um, yeah, I've said enough. Begin at Genesis. You've got to pass through the life and teaching of Jesus. Here's the challenge. 
because this week the fact that I am wedded and believe that um, that the promises God and the covenant God made with Israel is yet to be fully fulfilled. I believe that. I don't know how to carry it at times, particularly at times it's inconvenient because the, the, the promises God made to that group of people, you, any, anyone, again, um, with understanding won't say, you can't just map them and throw them on to the modern Israel. Geopolitically, it's not quite that simple. I still hold on to that. I still believe that's true. But you can't just go, well, that, that means then everything they do. That's because you've got to pass through also the teaching of Jesus. And I find this really challenged in so many areas of my life, mostly actually my relationships, because he has an absolutely radical world-changing approach to peace. I was listening to a conversation recently between an atheist and some, a pastor. It was sort of one of those... You know, they're having a go. And, and the thing, and, and the atheist was saying, Jesus' teaching on morality is not at all new or fresh or different. There were plenty, and he gave examples of where the golden rule was in the Bovedita and the kind of da-da-da-da-da. The one thing they agreed was, was when Jesus says uh, this, no one in human history, no great teacher in history had said this before. Jesus, to follow Jesus is to believe that to follow him faithfully, we turn our enemies into friends. No one had said that as a piece of moral teaching before. That's how revolutionary it is. And so, at times when I feel very vindicated in my position, my sense of injustice about what's right in the world, I've got to pass it through the cross, not build detours around it. It's got to go through the cross. And that's challenging. Jesus himself spoke about, the, again, he spoke about the place of Israel in the promises. In Luke 21, he said, There'll be strange signs of sun, moon, stars. Here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see upon the coming on the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. When all these things be happen, don't become really adamant and clear that you know exactly how it's going to play out. That's the thing he didn't say. Be careful of adamancy about stuff that Scripture chooses to be opaque about, a little unclear. Be very careful about how quickly you get to adamant. Because actually, Jesus says, look up. Look up. And this is why we go to Revelation. We make sure our prayers, and and I've been, um, I I sort of worked my way to this this week, and this morning, and I hope you hear it. It's gravity. uh, My heart is heavy. But I feel the Spirit of God has led me to make sure my prayers are infused with hope. My passion, my sense of passion and hope um, for the well-being of our nation, for reconciliation, the well-being of First Nation people, did not, does not rest upon the referendum. It rests upon the fact that God's doing it. He's doing it. My prayers are aligned. 
That's where, you know, again, I've done all I can to hold back on just dumping my, certainly here, but I'm so confident my prayers and belief and actions are aligned because I've read the end. I've read the end. What's the pathway? Well, I mean, let's, um, I thought it could have been that. There was lots of reasons not. But it's, it's not going to be now. Okay, what's next? One thing I'm very hopeful for, grateful for, the number of conversations I had with people who said, I, re I really want well-being. I really want reconciliation for our First Nations people. I just don't think... Well, I'll take that on face value. People, to be honest, people I hadn't heard say that very much previously, but I'll take it on face value that maybe that's what God's doing. And so I'm incredibly hopeful. If that's true, if out of this we get all these allies, even though I'm still working through, <laughs> I'm so hopeful because I know how it ends. And so my prayers are going to be infused by hope. Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, write these words, they're faithful and true. I have got such a less idea of how we get to there from here in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, and what we have to pass through. I just know we get here. And at times like right, right now, I'm going to make sure my prayers don't sound like I don't, I don't think we've got a hope in hell. My hope's not in hell. It's in heaven. And I'm going to align that and have confidence because when I do that, when I, when I pray that belief, guess what I live out of? I live out of that prayer. And that's what our nation needs right now. That's what our world needs is a bunch of people who are living out of the belief that it doesn't depend on the diplomacy of all the players of the Middle East. It doesn't depend on the referendum or political process. It depends on people living with hope and living out of hope. And my prayers, our prayers take us there and unite us. We're going to play a song for a moment. Um, and spend some time in prayer. We're going to do that. I've asked a couple of people, a couple of our leaders, to come and lead us in prayer. Um, I really, this is, a, I think this is going to be really important. I, I just so trust, I had very little confidence in necessarily how I'd get us to this point, for real confidence in what God might do in this moment. Part of that, part of the reason why, even though, I'm aware how we carry some of these views deeply and passionately we might, might be quite different at the moment to the point where praying and the opportunity for someone to get up and not say the right word or say the wrong word and you feel if that is, no one knows. So I'm aware of that, but you know what? I am so infused with hope. I'm so confident. I'm so compelled by what the church of Jesus Christ can be. I, there was a period of my time where I, I, I had this idea to get in our last church. There's a bunch of guys I observed across the church who were really disconnected. And so I um, got this life group together. And it was only sort of, I just, you know, got, saw these guys, hey, do you want to be a part of this group? They came. And then I got to know these guys. And I discovered in the group oh, one guy um, who was uh, Jewish. Uh, he was actually a part of, had been part of a, um, uh, um, what's the um, Jews for Jesus it used to be called it's now called something else 
He le- um, so Jewish by culture, Jewish by background, beautiful guy, wonderful guy. He was in the group. We also had, and I knew this, a guy who was a ref- who had arrived from Iran and on the boat over in the storm was a Muslim and got his first confession of faith was at the, when the boat got picked up and they said, so are you a Muslim? He said, no, I think I'm a Christian. Radical encounter with Jesus. He was still out working what it was. So sitting next to each other is a guy who's still, who's been his whole life, he's in Iran, was, was brought up and in, in sort of surrounded by uh, these are the enemies. They're sitting next to each other. Not only that, the guy who was Jewish was actually also a passionate environmentalist and had actually run a number of times for the Greens. The guy, three seats over, had run in the last election for, um, you can characterise it how you want, but certainly a right Christian group. And so those two guys are in the same group. I then discovered there was these two other guys who, if I probably had have known, I wouldn't have invited, who their families had beef going back 30 years to connected to one of the, this big sort of kerfuffle in the church, and they hadn't spoken to each other. That was the group I pulled together. We became brothers. We became such brothers. That's what the church can be because we just found as we talked and shared above and above, uh, 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 beyond those things, there was a unity, there was an agreement in who we were looking to that was so much stronger, so much stronger. And that's who we're called to be as the church. And so moments like this is finding space for everyone in our prayers, turning our hearts to Jesus and doing it together. There's nothing more important that we can do. We're going to pray.